Listener-supported St. Gabriel Catholic Radio AM820 brings you Family Sanctuary, a show that inspires living the gospel message in word and deed within our families. And now, Family Sanctuary with host Peggy Hartshorn. Welcome to the Family Sanctuary, focusing on life-giving relationships and the family. I'm your host, Peggy Hartshorn, chairman of Heartbeat International that advances life-affirming pregnancy help around the world. We're focusing right now on a series of programs on Family Sanctuary on the issues surrounding the dignity of the person, and especially on abortion. With the fall of Roe v. Wade and the Dobbs decision recently, abortion is again front and center, and there are efforts in almost every state, including Ohio, to make abortion a right in our state constitution. So now's the time to understand the truth about abortion and the science, and also what our church teaches, because there are so many lies that you will be hearing in the media, online, and even perhaps from friends and family. So now's the time to learn and share the truth. And we have a really great guest on our program today to talk about the need for abortion regulation. You know, we're in a, a, an era where uh a term called self-managed abortion is now becoming very popular, very prominent. Uh, we don't even need doctors now. Uh, abortion is being demedicalized because uh, the abortion pill is available and women can self-abort. They don't even need uh, a physician. This this trend is is quite, quite dangerous, not just for the unborn child, of course. And by the way, our guest has been with us also for a beautiful program on the development of the unborn child. Dr. Callum Miller is our guest today, and I have a program also in the archives uh, where Dr. Miller discusses uh, some wonderful new research showing the the phenomenal growth and development of the human being in the womb. So not only is abortion absolutely (laughs) lethal for the unborn child, it is extremely dangerous for women. And so Dr. Miller, uh, our guest today, I'm eager for you to hear more from him, is a medical doctor and researcher in the UK. As a researcher at Oxford University, he's published a wide range of papers on abortion, among other topics, and has won prizes from the University of Oxford and the Royal College of Psychiatrists for his work on bioethics. He also has a master's degree with a distinction in biblical studies. He has spoken around the world to professionals and politicians on the topic of abortion and often appears in mainstream media in the UK. And Dr. Miller is with us today from London, uh, a little closer, actually, than sometimes he would be if he's traveling in Africa or Australia, (laughs) Asia. So welcome, Dr. Miller. Thank you for being our guest. Welcome. Thank you for having me back. Well, I'm eager to hear uh, from such a worldwide expert on this subject as well. So, Dr. Miller, um, I mentioned in my introduction that I I see us here in the United States in an era where abortion is even being demedicalized, as if the medical impact of it is is insignificant. Uh, It's now being promoted um, through a term called self-managed abortion on the Internet, People can look at that self-managed abortion. You'll see advertisements for uh, for the abortion pill available online. We don't even know sometimes where it's coming from. There's no uh, pre 
pre-appointment needed uh, for uh, a physician. So so we're entering a, a really dangerous period, not just for the unborn child, but also for the woman. So let's start with a little bit about the abortion pill and the dangers of that uh, being available online and with absolutely no medical supervision whatsoever. What are we dealing with here now in terms of dangers to women? Yeah, it's, I think it's quite remarkable that originally abortion was legalized in many parts of the world on this idea that if you don't legalize it, women will do abortions by themselves with no medical supervision and it will be really dangerous for them and they will die as a result. And yes, of course, we... that is what we have now come to as the end point of legal abortion. Right. Um, and again, tragically, we're seeing that women in some places are dying as a result or even coming very close to it, at least. And so, you know, of course, you know, technology has changed a bit. Far fewer uh, women die now than they did back in the 1920s, for example. But the reality is that unsupervised abortion is still dangerous in many, many different ways. And we've seen this in the US, in the UK, as well as, you know, on the black market in countries like India or Nigeria or around the world. We know that women have significant complications and in some cases even lose their lives because they have taken the abortion pill without medical supervision. Um, and so, you know, the push, I suppose, especially since COVID, to deregulate and <laughs> take medical professionals out of the picture in the UK and in the US and many other parts of the world has led to you know, catastrophic situations that have put women in risk of physical health problems. It has given them legal risks. So in the UK, we've seen women imprisoned because of this. Um, and it's also subjected them to risks of coercion and trafficking and things like that, because if a woman doesn't see the healthcare professional, there's no one to check that she's not being forced into it. There's no one she can speak to privately and confidentially to make sure that she is actually okay and that she's choosing this for herself. So there are many, many different risks, physical, legal, and in terms of coercion, that come from this self-managed abortion. Mm -hmm. It's interesting, um, the, the so-called, um, well, the push for a right to abortion in state constitutions, which is becoming very prominent here in the United States now, um, it, it most of these uh, amendments say something like uh, no person can inter interfere with a woman's right to have an abortion or right for reproductive health care. I believe it actually says no person can interfere. So really, it, it, it it's another way of opening the door to these self-managed abortions. Um, it's and and we see already in the pregnancy help movement, Dr. Miller, here in the United States, women who have <clears throat> had these self-managed abortions, who have taken the abortion pill uh, in their homes alone, which is usually what happens. They do it alone in their home. And not only are they suffering many times from excess bleeding and uh, severe pain, which sends them to the emergency room, but they are traumatized emotionally from seeing uh, the aborted embryo or the aborted fetus and, and, and experiencing this alone. It's, it's really not only physically, but psychologically damaging. And I'm not speaking about this from the actual scientific studies, as you are, but from meeting the women and hearing their stories who have, who have been um, 
led into this idea that a self-managed abortion or abortion by pill is uh, the way to go. You know, this is easier, faster, uh, more private, um, and and you can do it yourself. And now we estimate in the United States that 70% of all abortions here are abortion by pill. So it's it's so traumatic for women. I, I My heart goes out to them when they reach out to us after they've experienced one of these so-called self-managed abortions. Absolutely. I think, you know, there was a review by one of our kind of clinical guidance bodies a few years ago in the UK, a review looking at what should women know before they have an abortion. And one of the things it mentioned was for women having a medical abortion or abortion by pill, they should be told what to expect when the baby comes out. Of course, with a surgical abortion, it's done very quickly. The woman looks away and the surgeon can usually check that there's no part of the baby left remaining that the woman will see. But for the medical abortion or abortion by pill, the woman will see everything. Mm-hmm. Now, in some cases, it's so covered in blood or it's very small that the woman doesn't see much. And so some women will say, well, I just had a heavy, you know, heavy period. Sure, I'm sure some women won't see much of the child, but... You also saw in that evidence review from the clinical kind of professionals in the UK that many women were shocked at what they could see. They said, I had no idea it would look so human. I could see little arms and little legs. They actually recommended, and this is the UK's leading body for clinical recommendations. They actually recommended that women should be explicitly told beforehand that they might see the baby move because the baby doesn't die immediately as soon as as he or she comes out. And so... This is, of course, going to have a hugely um, dangerous and damaging impact on women who recognize what they've done or what the doctor has done to them um, afterwards. And, of course, in many cases, women are not at all prepared for this because they're simply told it would just be some heavy bleeding. So Mm -hmm. absolutely, I think it can have really significant psychological consequences. And one of the things we're seeing, too, with these cases, Dr. Miller, is that one of the things I thought was women will tell women and, and they will share these stories with their friends, and then women themselves will reject these self-managed abortions. But that hasn't happened, and I think it's because uh, abortion, we call it in the United States sometimes the secret shame. Um, even though women claim that they're happy they have this right, they, uh, you know, they would defend that many women, still admitting that they have done this is a secret shame. And so women are not even telling each other about their experiences. Well, tell us about tell us about some of the dangers that you see with abortions um, in, in in even further states uh, of development of the child. Because I believe the abortion pill, the original um, guidelines were that it could be used up to seven or or eight weeks of gestation. I believe that was the general guideline. But now, of course, with their availability uh, online and even in some um, medical arenas now, I hear that it's being promoted in in further states of fetal development uh, up into uh, throughout the first trimester. And and I think women are even taking it further along because if they get the pills over the Internet, they really have no idea exactly how how well developed their baby is. So what about these further states of, of development using the pill or other types of abortion? How is this affecting women? 
Yeah, so I, I think in the UK, these pills are used at any stage of pregnancy. And so mm. second trimester, even third trimester, they, they're used. Um, now, of course, in later stages of pregnancy, the recommendations say that this should be done by a doctor with the supervision of a doctor because, you know, at 20 weeks, you're effectively giving birth. Um, even later than that, especially. And so, you know, it's it's not supposed to be unsupervised. And this is the abortion but they pill. They still use them. Yeah, yeah, this yeah. is still abortion um, pill. Mm -hmm. Yes. Okay. Um, now, what's happened is because of this deregulation is that many women are not having ultrasounds before they have an abortion. So they say on the phone, I'm seven weeks pregnant or 10 weeks pregnant. No one bothers to check. They don't do an examination. They don't do an ultrasound. And so the woman gets sent the pills in the mail and she will have the abortion at home. Mm -hmm. And this has caused huge problems because there are women who shouldn't you know from a medical perspective shouldn't have access to these drugs because they have anemia or something like that they have some other complications which mean they can't have them um in some cases the woman has an ectopic pregnancy and so she takes the pills she's told that you might have some pain and some bleeding and not to worry about that because that's what an abortion feels like she has some pain and some bleeding but it turns out she actually has a ruptured ectopic pregnancy her abdomen is filling with blood and she's in danger of losing her life within hours. Mm. But she thinks it's just the abortion because that's what she's told to expect. Mm. And so we've seen cases like that in other countries. Sadly, many women have died precisely because of this. Um, one of the other problems with not doing an ultrasound is that you it might be that the baby is far older than you think. So we've had women or even girls who have given birth to 30 week babies, you know, mm. babies that are viable, ready to live outside the womb. And they are giving birth at home with no supervision mm. because they got their period wrong or they didn't understand or something like that. They were sent the pills in the mail and they just had them at home. And so they're going through these very dangerous deliveries at home with no supervision. And sometimes these are, you know, teenage girls that are they're going through this. Now, mm. this in turn causes legal risks because in the UK, there's a 24 week limit for abortion. And so there was woman, one woman who uh, said that she was seven weeks pregnant on the phone to the abortion providers. And it turned out she was 34 weeks pregnant mm. and she had the abortion at home, the baby died. And as a result, she actually went to jail because this is clearly illegal in a in England to have an abortion at 34 weeks mm. for no reason or for, you know, for a non-medical reasons. And so what was, what was kind of crazy was that the abortion providers, rather than taking responsibility for this and owning the fact that it was their policy, which put this woman in this position and led to her being imprisoned, they actually used this as an excuse to say, well, no woman should ever be imprisoned. And so we need to legalize abortion all the way up till birth. Mm -hmm. And so they're sort of using their own um, irresponsibility and using these women as pawns who go to jail in the process, basically to advocate for abortion up to birth and to relieve themselves of any legal constraints or responsibility at mm. all. So many, many problems with these self-managed abortions, both physical and legal, and many other problems besides that. Mm. Our guest today is Dr. Callum Miller. 
a medical doctor and researcher in the UK. And as a researcher at Oxford University, he's published a wide range of papers on abortion, among other topics, and won prizes from the University of Oxford and Royal College of Psychiatrists for his work on bioethics. He also has a master's degree with distinction in biblical studies. So Dr. Callum uh, Miller travels all over the world, actually, uh, with for his uh, professional expertise and also to teach and train pro-life people uh, around the world uh, in in terms of the, the truth about fetal development, the truth about the dangers of abortion, not only to the unborn child, but also to women. So uh, we're a little more than halfway through our program. I hope you've been uh it's just amazing the information that you're giving us, uh, Dr. Miller, that is very hard to find <laughs> if you're if we're focusing on uh, normal media here in the United States, because uh, this true the truths that you've been sharing are 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 just not available. Um, the cover up, the lies that we hear are are just um, amazing. And uh, if you'd like more information on Dr. Miller, we'll mention this again at the end of the program, but his blog, Callum's blog, C-A-L-U-M-S, Dr. Callum Miller, callumsblog.com, his Q&A session, section has a lot of additional information on all issues uh, related to abortion. And then callummiller.org, C-A-L-U-M, miller.org. So Dr. Miller, um, Right now, uh, abortion by pill is not being promoted as extensively in the United States in terms of late into the pregnancy as it is in the UK. So what you're showing us is is the pro- progression, I believe, of what will be happening in the United States as long as we continue to have laws that are promoting an unrestricted right to abortion at any time in the pregnancy. We will be seeing these horrible cases, like you mentioned, where technically, in some cases, it might be considered illegal, but it is being done because there is no real ethical medical supervision at all for abortion. It's been demedicalized. Well, tell us a little bit more, not just abortion by pill, but as you're seeing abortion around the world, and even as you observe it in the United States, there are still surgical abortions being performed. Um, What about some of the dangers of those kinds uh, of those surgical abortions as well to women, particularly in the later stages? Yeah, so abortions generally have, you know, they'll always have risks and complications. Um, All abortions, no matter how they're performed, will have those. So there will be a risk of hemorrhage. There'll be a risk of infection. The infection can go on to cause pelvic inflammatory disease or it can cause ectopic pregnancies in future or infertility and so on. Um, So all abortions will have those sorts of risks. Um, We know that surgical abortion in particular is linked with an increase in preterm birth in the future. And so women are going to have surgical abortions. And then for their next pregnancy, there's a much higher chance that their baby will be born prematurely. And that comes with a whole host of medical problems and financial costs and so on. So preterm birth is actually the leading cause of death for children under the age of five around the world. So it's a significant problem. And anyone, I'm sure many people listening will have had a a premature baby. And they will tell you that it's not certainly not always easy. It comes with significant costs, significant health problems for the baby in many cases and so on. And we know that surgical abortion is a risk factor for that. So 
On the other hand, it does seem like medical abortion causes a much higher incidence of problems, at least emergency consequences. Um, so we see much higher rates of hemorrhage. And in particular, we see much higher rates of incomplete abortion, where the baby partly comes out and the baby's life is ended, but parts of the baby remain inside and can cause infection or bleeding or, or other problems. Mm -hmm. Now, with surgical abortion, this does happen, but it's not really common. But with medical abortion, it is common. Um, it happens in many, many cases. We think probably five to six percent. So maybe one in 20 or even more, one in 20 women having a, a medical abortion will end up needing emergency surgery as a result. And so this is going to be thousands of women across the U.S. each year. Mm -hmm. And the medical abortion is abortion by pill. Um, That's right. Yeah. Or sometimes yeah. called chemical abortion as well. Um, yeah. Dr. Miller, as you're talking about the tremendous dangers of abortion to women's reproductive health and even to their lives, um, we've only got a, a few minutes left, I think about seven minutes left. Uh, but uh, could you touch on something you said uh, to me privately as we were talking about this issue? And that is that that in terms of the lie that uh, matern that maternal mortality, actually women, uh, that pregnancy is more dangerous for women's life and health than abortion. Uh, this is such a lie. <laughs> um, and, and tell us, uh, you were telling me that that really depends on, on medical care, correct? Not on abortion and, and childbirth itself. Yeah. So I think there's a couple of different issues with maternal mortality. One is the argument that pregnancy generally is dangerous and abortion kind of removes those risks. And then the other is this idea that if you prohibit abortion, then women will go get unsafe abortions, back alley abortions, and those will be really dangerous and kill women as well. Um, I think both of these arguments don't really stand up to scrutiny. So the first one, which says that abortion is just safer than childbirth. Again, when you look at the data, it's just not really true. <laughs> And they often selectively use statistics. So as one example, um, suicide is actually the leading cause of maternal death after pregnancy. Suicide is the leading cause of death in the developed world. Um, now, deaths from suicide will be counted as deaths after childbirth. But if you look at deaths from abortion, suicide is never counted. So they count them inconsistently. And this is a particular issue because suicide after abortion is six to seven times more common than after having a baby. And so not only have they counted it inconsistently, they've actually counted the biggest factor causing deaths after childbirth and excluded the large, large majority of deaths after abortion. Mm, so when you look amazing. at data from Finland, for example, which has very good data and it's a Scandinavian country with very liberal attitudes towards abortion, that data shows that the chance of dying within a year after an abortion is three times higher than after giving birth to a child. <laughs> three times higher chance of dying within a year after an abortion. And so that is just one of the kind of pieces of evidence that shows that this argument really doesn't make too much sense. And the second, the second argument you were talking about, um, you, the first one was that uh, we're not looking properly at the st statistics. Was there another one that you were you mentioned also we need to consider yes. in, in this lie? Yes, go ahead. 
Yeah, yeah. So, so the second argument is that if you prohibit abortion or you don't give access to it, then women will get dangerous abortions mm. and they'll die as a result of that. Um, again, I, I have a talk on this that's two hours long, so I'll try <laughs> and keep it super, super short. Um, essentially, what we've seen internationally is that the number of women who die from back alley unsafe abortions is nothing to do with the law on abortion. It's just to do with the healthcare system. So countries like Malta, which do not allow abortion at all, or Poland, which allow it only in very rare situations, have the lowest maternal mortality ratios in the world. Um, and they have no deaths from back alley abortions. Mm. Um, so their maternal mortality is a tenth of America's maternal mortality under Roe v. Wade. And, yet they, and to... yet they prohibit almost all abortions. Exactly. And, and by contrast, if you go to a developing country that has legal abortion, like India or Nepal or Ethiopia, they still have hundreds of women who die from back alley abortions because the women can't get access to legal abortion because no, the doctors don't want to do it. Or because even if the woman has an abortion, she doesn't have access to medical care for complications or for reasons like that. And so when you look at a country actually legalizing or prohibiting abortion, that usually makes no difference. In fact, whenever a country has banned abortion, like Poland in 1990 and 1993, their maternal mortality actually shot down to the lowest in the world after they prohibited abortion. And as I say, they have no deaths from back alley abortions now. And so this idea that if you ban abortion in America, there'll be all these women who die as a result simply isn't supported by any evidence from anywhere in the world. <laughs> and that's... <laughs> probably even understating it even then. So yeah, I hope that people are more aware of that issue and aware that the pro-life side is backed up by the science once again on that issue as well. Mm -hmm. Again, we don't see that science in the United States. In fact, um, some very prestigious researchers who come to conclusions that are against the kind of the woke, <laughs> the woke script now, uh, can't get their materials published in in uh, peer-reviewed journals. So it's true that in many areas of abortion research, we have to look at the, the research being done in other countries where they actually are keeping good records, keeping good statistics. Um, and so that's why sometimes we don't see it in the peer-reviewed journal here, journals here. Well, Dr. Dr. Miller, thank you so much for the phenomenal amount of information you've shared with us on the two programs that we've had, uh, Abortion and the Question of Human Development, which is in our archives, and uh, also the program that we have just heard on the need for abortion regulations. Uh, the amount of research and information you've shared, and um, it, it's just outstanding, Dr. Miller. Thank you so much for what you do. And thank you for being our guest uh, on the Family Sanctuary. I want to refer our listeners again to callumsblog.com, C-A-L-U-M-S, callumsblog.com, and the Q&A particularly there, and callummiller.org, C-A-L-U-M-Miller.org, for even more information uh, from Dr. Miller. And you have been listening to The Family Sanctuary on St. Gabriel Catholic Radio. I'm your host, Peggy Hartshorn. To find this program again and other programs from Family Sanctuary, go to stgabrielradio.com, choose podcasts, then Family Sanctuary, 
and for our special series, Search the Word Abortion. And you will find Dr. Miller and several other uh, leading experts who are helping to help us understand the lies that we are now hearing about abortion. Family Sanctuary is broadcast at 4 o'clock on Saturdays and 2 o'clock on Sundays. So join us again to strengthen our families and make them sanctuaries of life as God intends. Family Sanctuary is a production of listener-supported St. Gabriel Catholic Radio, AM820. Archives of Family Sanctuary with Peggy Hartshorn are available at stgabrielradio.com.